Welcome to the Pets Who Thrive podcast, where we cover all areas of natural animal health and challenge what we've been conditioned to think regarding how to raise and keep a healthy pet. My name is Tammy. I'm an entrepreneur and a certified animal naturopath with a passion for animals and empowering other pet owners with tools for creating the healthiest version of your amazing pets. Let's dive in. Hello, I am so glad you're here today. I have the pleasure of our guest today joining us is Denise Eaton. She is the Bach Brand and Education Manager for Nelson Bach USA Limited. She holds a degree in mental health. She took a particular interest in learning about Dr. Bach's healing system and making it a mission to spread the word to help others. Um, Since she joined the company in 1999, Denise gained a well-rounded understanding of the homeopathic industry, and she serves on the board of directors of the Association of Homeopathic Pharmacists. Welcome, Denise. I'm so glad you're here today. Thank you, Tammy. All right. So first of all, um, I am so intrigued by these wonderful products um, that were kind of developed by Dr. Bach. And I would love for you to kind of explain uh, what they are and the history behind them. Sure. Um, well, the um, 38 Bach flower remedies is, is a system that was discovered by Dr. Edward Bach, who was a physician, an immunologist, pathologist, bacteriologist, homeopath. He had quite a scientific background. But what they do is basically he discovered 38 specific plant matter that work on balancing negative emotional states. And he addressed it because he felt that the reason why you'd want to address the negative states of emotion is because he felt that, you know, emotional harmony is key to good health. So if you have negative states, you're going to compromise your immune system. So he came up with an alternative gentle system that was going to address the emotional state. Therefore, your body will be able to heal on its own keep it strong, and then you wouldn't have the diseases to begin with. Nice. So what about the the history? Um, if you could maybe go into a little bit more about that. Well, I mean, as a, as a physician, I mean, he, he had quite a science, as I said before, a quite scientific background. And he had discovered the, the seven nosodes of homeopathy that address the stomach, bowel, intestinal area. So in recognizing the fact that he, you know, where they were addressing physical symptoms or diseases, he really was, you know, he understood the missing link of that. So when he left his practice as a physician to look for an alternative, he was going to go for for plant matter because he was a homeopath and he really felt that the plants had this curative properties that are going to uh, heal or balance those negative states of emotions. So when he did this as a uh, homeopath, he would work on extracting plant matter and getting the infusions of energized water and working on um, remedies to on negative states of emotion. He not only used it on himself, but he would also use it um, on his colleagues, his friends. He would, you know, people that, you know, his clients that would go to him. He would also use them on animals because he felt that connection that, you know, we should all be kind to all creatures. And mm-hmm. then really felt that animals also um, were emotional. Uh, he was um, passionate. He had, uh, you know, his own dog, which was a, a spaniel named Lulu that mm-hmm. he frequently would use to help deal with their stresses 
um, in feeling anxiousness and, and their negative states of emotions as well. From there, he would ask Nelson's, which is the manufacturer of um, Backflower Remedies, to help him make those stock bottles because then finally the demand got too much for him because people wanted his remedies so much because they, they were finding comfort, they were finding relief and, and balance to help them get through whatever that crisis or that negative state was. Um, and from here, Nelson um, continues to abide by his original methods and principles from the plant matters that he had discovered back in the 1930s. Nice. So can you talk a little bit about how bot flowers are used with animals? Well, they're no different than with working with humans. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you have to identify. The difference is that with animals, they cannot speak for themselves, obviously, mm-hmm. right? So we have to, we can't ask them how they're feeling. So we would look at the behavior. So when I work with an animal, I look at specific, um, I have a checklist basically to say, okay, why is the animal behaving? Because you're not, as though you're looking at emotion, because we know that they do have emotions, but we have to be careful that they're not having emotions that are similar to humans. So that anthropomorphism, we want to be very careful that, you know, if we're feeling emotion, we don't want to make, we want to identify that, that an animal actually feels what we feel. So with that, we look at the behavior. What is the behavior? What, you, what is it that you're trying to address or change? And in order to do that, you have to rule some things out first. First thing is you want to make sure that they have a, um, a physical. Because we, we know is that some diseases or some ailments that a pet may have will cause certain behaviors. So once you rule out that they're physically okay and you, there's no explanation to the behavior, then we go to my, I go to what I call my checklist. Okay. And the checklist would be more about understanding the animal. Now we, I use a, a system we call the Bramble five freedoms. And this was, um, a study that was done in 1965 by, um, led by Professor Roger Bramble. And it was to really look at farm animals and the welfare of those animals and how they were being treated. And he came up with what we call the five freedoms. So when I look at animals that I'm going to work with, I say, okay, are they deprived of these five freedoms? Because if they are, then we're going to have some behavioral issues. So one of them is check to make sure that the animal has a freedom of hunger and thirst. Do they have accessibility to have food and, and, and water? Do they have the freedom of discomfort? Is their environment, you know, comfortable for them? Or are they living outside? Do they have freedom of pain, injury, disease? Um, it, or do they have the freedom of to express their normal behavior? Because lots of times we take in on pets and we mean well, but they're not able to express what their, you know, innate Um, abilities are. And then the freedom to, you know, from any fear or being distressed or having stress. So once I look at that and if they're okay and if I see that their freedoms are being met, then we can look at the other avenues. I mean, is the animal social or, you know, or um, social or solitary species? If they're social and they're not being socialized, then you're going to have a behavior issue. So we'll address that. Are they predators or prey? Um, some people, believe it or not, want me to fix that if a golden retriever retrieves a specific, you know, animal or like I have a duck toller and I, she likes to, you know, run after birds. Am I mm-hmm. going to be able to fix that? I'm not going to be able to fix that. That is in their innate. That's what their job was supposed to do. So it has to make sense. Then we will look at, you know, are they territorial? Are they home rage? Are they nomadic? And are they being treated properly in their environment? 
Um, if you have a territorial animal, they're going to be territorial to this space. So dogs and cats are typically territorial um, animals. So if you have a dog who's territorial of his space and another dog comes into his space and they're going to, you know, have a fight, well, they're territorial of their space. So yeah, it has to, it has to make sense. Um, you know, are they able to, you know, act their normal behaviors? I've seen so many times as you go into a dog park or you go to, for a walk and the dogs are sniffing each other's butts and a lot of people don't like that. They just, they feel gross and they think it's inappropriate or they're mm -hmm. more embarrassed by it. But that is so crucial for, for the dogs to communicate to each other. They're sensing. And when you're pulling at their leashes and stuff, you're going to get mixed feelings. The dog is not going to understand, is that a normal behavior I'm supposed to do? And they're going to ask that. Then, then it may cause some behaviors. So once you do that, once you figure out all those complexities and it makes sense, then you say, okay, what am I going to work with? Is it fear-driven? Um, is it something that might be compulsive? Is it, you know, what... How am I, is it stress related? How are we going to work with this? And then I work with the owners to change some patterns, change some, you know, um, routines that they may do. It's all part of the training, recondition the dog or, or the animal to think a little bit differently. And using the remedies to help relax and, and, and neutralize that negative state so that they, they're refocusing on the new way of training. Sure. I want to go back to something that you said, and it related to do animals have feelings? Um, and I, I do think that we tend to put our own feelings, because that's really the only way we can understand feelings. But we tend to, you know, put that on them as well. So I know a lot of times whenever uh, pet parents, you know, you ask, you know, does your dog have any stressors in his life? Um, they say, oh my gosh, my dog has it so easy. You know, you have no idea. However, um, they just may not be getting their canine needs met. Maybe in, for a human, it makes sense, but for a canine. So maybe if you could speak a little bit about, maybe go into a little bit more of those five freedoms and what that looks like. Absolutely. I mean, when it comes to uh, emotions, you know, and we do this all the time. I know, and, and this is a big one because I hear it all the time. Um, my dog is so jealous. Mm -hmm. Is a dog jealous? Is, can a dog really feel jealousy? So if I'm patting one dog, is the dog jealous or is the dog just wants in on a pat? They want the mm -hmm. attention too. So it's kind of hard to understand. So if I'm going to do, if a dog is jealous, we have a flower Holly that will help with jealousy, but it may not be Holly that he, it may not be, it might just want attention. And mm -hmm. if they want a lot of attention and they're self-absorbed all the time, then they may need Heather or maybe they need chicory because chicory is for more being territorial. So it's, it's kind of, um, you know, when it comes to identifying the emotional humancy, because most of the, the flowers are indications of humans to, to address it in an animal, you have to kind of, again, look at, you know, what, don't put your, interpret your personal feelings or your characteristics to the, to the animal. Just look at the situation. Go back to the freedoms. In most cases, the dogs that I work with there, they have some, you know, they are abiding by most of the freedoms. The most common one that they may not be is whether they are able to act their own normal self. Mm -hmm. And that is, you know, depriving of being able to run, being able to hunt, being able to, um, really, you know, um, you know, sniff other dogs, be social, 
because we take in animals and all for good reasons. But if you have one dog, are they in their social structure? No, mm. because, you know, normally animal, you know, you know, with dogs, they have a hierarchy and they have a pack. They're usually more than one dog. So when you see, you know, family or if I see people who have more than one dog, they're on the right track because those two, those animals are going to have that social structure. However, be careful about the two dogs you put together, you know, mm-hmm. because, you know, they can be very different in that species and one might be more dominant, one might be more you know, um, reserve. So it depends on, you know, what two, two dogs you have, but looking at those freedoms, it's very important. And on most of the cases, um, most people will do them. The key one that I've seen is the fact that they weren't able to express their normal behaviors and that they might have some fears and the fears are very, are common because it's unknown to animals. So what we address, we have all kinds of gadgets in the house that might be fearful for the dog. You know, we have vacuums that they don't like. We have, mm-hmm. you know, people coming to the door, ringing the doorbell, which what is that sound, you know? <laughs> Yet the TV rings the doorbell and my dogs get up and they run to the door. So mm-hmm. it's, I mean, this, these, are, these are not um, things that we're accustomed to, but they don't have that understanding. So fears are a lot. Um, we work a lot with dogs in the, the, when it comes to fears because there is a lot of unknown when it comes to um, animals and what we need that, to survive may not what they understand. Right. Well, and I think, too, just in the world that we live in with the leash laws and us maybe being afraid of a dog fight or, you know, some of those things, we tend to you know, like you said, you know, the dog that goes to sniff the other dogs, you know, but we're going, oh no, don't do that. That could cause a fight, you know? And so we are sending maybe some mixed messages, but at the same time, I think people have the good intention of, I just want to keep my dog safe, you know? And so it, it it's a balancing act, I would think for sure. It is a balancing act. And again, you know, they're animals and they cannot communicate with us. And that's the, mo- the most difficult thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to just be, you know, careful about really meeting their needs while protecting yourself and others, because again, they are animals and they can fight and we want to, you know, be careful about that. But we also want to address, okay, what is it that you notice that's a change, you know, in the environment? Is it a change within a pattern of something that caused them a little bit? Did they get startled very easily over something? And then address that. Most common when it comes to the flowers, we have, we, we kind of categorize them in three complexities. There's an easy level of, of flowers that we can make suggestions for, a moderate complexity, and then there's a real complex, which we'd really need to look at, um, you know, consult and probably a practitioner with that because it just, it, it just needs a lot more information on animal behavior and all that. But the easiest ones, first and foremost, we usually go rescue remedy, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's a, the natural um, stress reliever. It's a combination of the five of the 38 that works best for stress. And it's no, whether you're a human or an animal, when there's a crisis, when there's an emergency situation, you would give this. Keeping in mind, when you're giving it to animal, you're not going to give them the stress relief exactly at that moment. Um, because most times animals won't take anything when they're really stressed, especially, you know, dogs. They're not going to, you know, take a treat. And the idea with, with the flowers is you would probably put them in either their water on their or on a treat or you can put it in the palm of your hand and let them lick it. But when they're in extreme stress, they're not going to take anything. You know, that's usually a sign of it. Um, 
So, but what you would do is that you were prior to it. If you know a thunderstorm's coming, you know you're going to the vet and that makes them nervous or they have to get in the car and that stresses them out, do it, you know, a day before and give it to them periodically through that day and right up until that moment when you're going into the car. And then you can actually rub it on their, you know, their ears or around the, you know, the paws when they're actually in that session. So if they're going in the car in at the vet, you, you can do, they, you, they can't overdose on it. We just got to calm them down, just relax them so that they're able to deal with that situation. Once it's done, then they don't need to take it any further. Mm-hmm. One common, um, besides thunderstorms and fireworks, um, obviously those, those are big ones, but one common, um, complaint I hear or concern, however you want to um, categorize it, is my dog has such anxiety, either when I leave or put him in a crate, um, you know, by excessively barking, whining, drooling, you know, things like that. What what would you tell the pet parent who's experiencing that with their pet? Well, it's very common because mm-hmm. we want pets and then we leave all day long. So it is a separation. So I would suggest that, you know, if there's ways to keep them comfort, knowing that you're going to return because they're fearful that you may not return, especially if it's one that has been adopted or one that has, you know, that was in a shelter because it is about not, you know, is that person going to come back? Mm-hmm. So what you would do, you know, rescue remedy, if rescue remedy does not help, you know, during the stress, so you could do it before, during, after, put it in their water. Then you can, um, you know, also include uh, other fearful remedies such as aspen, which we call for the anxiousness unknown. It's an unknown fear. They can't explain it. It just comes across them because it's unknown. Or mimulus, which is definitely the known fear. So those are the ones that I, I would suggest as well. When it comes to rescue, you already have Rock Rose, which is for the f- panic. You have Star Bethlehem, which helps neutralize that sh- that trauma. You have Empatians to help them maintain patience. Cherry Plum to help them maintain that control. And Clematis to keep them kind of grounded and focused. And that's what Rescue Remedy is just to help during that crisis. So in that, you get a look at, okay, why is the dog getting upset? There's some things you're just not going to change. You know, when it comes to thunderstorms, and that's a very common one, that one, because you, it's, it's a feeling. They're feeling that vibration. They're feeling, and, there's, and the noise is so profound because much more than what our hearing is, and that makes them nervous. What I would do with my dogs, when I would, I would bring them to another room, I would make their room comfort. I would try to block off the noise as much as possible, as well as give them the rescue. When you're leaving, when you're dealing with separation anxiety, give them something that they can remember you, the smell of yours, uh, of, you know, whether it's your blanket or you know, a hat or something, knowing that they may chew it, but it's something that they would have that scent for. And, you, and you've got to retrain them knowing that you're, you're going to keep coming back. So you mm-hmm. start, so you would start slowly. You would begin with the, you know, you're going to go out for one minute. You're giving them the remedy. You go out, then you come back in. Then you extend each time a little bit longer until he realizes or he or she realizes that you are going to come back. So it's a training process as well as dealing with that anxiety or that issue as well. Sure. Creating, creating can be difficult. There's, there's so many different things when it comes to creating. Sometimes creating causes the anxiety to begin with. Um, some um, people say that their animals love their crates, but if they're created and confined 
to any area for a long period of time, that is not what they would, I'm sure that's not what they would prefer. If they're created with the door open and they consider that their bedding, then I would say that is fine. But to create them, lock them for unknown periods of time because you don't want them to destroy something, there is an issue. That's not, that's not healthy for the animal. Okay. So, um, I love how you mentioned rescue remedy. Um, that is one that we sell a lot of at our store. And one of the other common things that, that we've, um, that we've used it for is even, you know, diet change, you know, because that is kind of a stressor on the body, you know, when we're trying to upgrade the dog's food and they're going, okay, I don't know what's happening here. I'm addicted to this carb food and now I'm moving to more of a natural food. Um, we do that a lot for cats too, because cats, especially free fed cats, you know, when you start taking that away, it can be very stressful for them. And so we want to try to take away those stressors. And the other thing I want to mention here is that, um, from what I understand, the frequency with which you dose it is also important depending on the level of stress that they're experiencing. If you could maybe speak about that. Absolutely. So yes, rescue remedy, any type of transition that's going to cause stress, it would be also, would be a a good remedy to have. You could also could include walnut because walnut helps with change and transition. So anytime you have any adoption, a new pet coming, anything new introduction, uh, walnut is one that I would definitely add, include with the rescue remedy. But you, the key to the flowers is frequency. You want to take them as often as you need to until you see the optimal results. They don't last in your system that long. So when we, when you're going through, you know, if an animal is going through a, you know, a crisis situation, I mean, you can give it to them if they will take it every five minutes if you need to until you see the results. Mm-hmm. Um, it's best to do a preventative. Don't let them get to that crisis, you know, to that, you know, situation where they get out of control. But you can give it to them prior to that, you know, going, you know, the change. The change is coming. Then you're going to say, okay, we're dealing with a change at least four times a day. You want to carry it throughout the day. So morning, say noon, late afternoon, and the evening. It's got to be consistent. How they would take it depends. Some would take readily take it off the palm of your hand, as I said before. Some will drink it from water. Some may not. Some may not like it. You know, you have the rescue pet, which is a vegetable glycerin base, so it's a little sweet. So most animals will take that, whereas some, you know, before the the rescue pet came, we were given the original rescue, which has an alcohol base. Um, my dogs happen to like the alcohol base. So <laughs> we, I, I will give that, you know, whichever is most convenient in, in which way they will take it. Um, you know, it, the key again would be the frequency. And that I think is such a good point because I think kind of going back to um, just natural healing things, uh, you know, in general, Um, I think as a um, society, we're used to the effect of a prescription drug. And many times it's, you know, you take it, you see an immediate effect. You know, there's no question that the animal took it, whether it's something to sedate them or stop the itch, whatever it might be. Um, This one is a gentle approach and frequency is key. So if someone maybe tried it one time, after the thunderstorm or the fireworks are going off and the dog is shaking um, and drooling, 
Um, and the dog maybe not didn't have that recovery that they would have thought they should have. Maybe they are under the impression it doesn't work. How do you respond to that? Well, it could be that they don't and they didn't give it enough. Mm-hmm. Um, when it, you know, you have to have patience when it comes to right. the flower system. You know, we want quick fixes. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. society is on a speed, speed, speed pace. And they want a quick pill, knock it out, and that works. And this is a little different. This is, we're training. You have to calm the animal to train them to learn that it, this, everything's okay. And that takes time. That's just not, sometimes it's not um, a quick fix. However, we've seen remarkable results with the animals because there's no placebo effect. And it does work well when you get the right remedy. When it comes to looking at, is it rescue remedy or is it mimulus or is it, you know, something else that's causing this reaction, you've got to take it one flower at a time because they can't communicate with us. So if we made a blend of six or seven flowers, you're not going to know which one worked. So it's a a longer process to get the results. But when you get the right one, you're going to see the results. It'll be long lasting. So what would be a good expectation? So if I, let's say I have a dog that's maybe just fearful of the world, you know, let's say, Mm -hmm. you know, just anything that moves, you know, the tail tucks, you know, the ears go down. It's, it's a, just scared of the world. How, what, first of all, what would you recommend in that scenario? And I know there's a lot more information you would probably want to know before suggesting, but just kind of in this quick example, maybe what you would recommend, how you would, how you would suggest dosing it. And then how long would you decide, okay, this is a good one, or we need to switch to something else. So typically I would give the remedy about two weeks. I would use the remedy for about, you know, a good two weeks. I'd have to evaluate, review the animal, you know, do an evaluation, sure. see if which flower would be best and try it one by one. Um, and, and usually you would see results within two weeks. And that's probably more, the, you know, the longer term. Some may see sooner. Some may see it maybe a little bit longer, but the average probably is about uh, two weeks to see that. And again, this is also going to help, you know, with some guidance on how we can, up, how can we change that behavior? How can we retrain this animal not to be so fearful? Um, you know, usually when it comes to being timid, fearful, mimulus, you're going to use the mimulus as well. So that's a key, number, probably one of the number one flowers when it comes to animals because it's, it's the fear flower and it's a known fear. They know, you know, they see strangers, they're fearful. They, you know, we can't, don't know, they can't articulate, but we're identifying that when they see something, it's fearful. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's known to them. And then we just take kind of, um, just chip away at it, you know, and if the behavior is, is acceptable, then okay. Then that, then that remedy happened to work. If something else happens to change and there's another behavior, then we'll, we'll address that one when it comes. So you're just taking it like kind of piece by piece. Sure. And that one you would also suggest like in that scenario, the four times a day. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So you would, and it has to be the consistency of taking it at least four times a day. You can give okay. it to them more. You can give it to them more by, by all means. You, they will not overdose on it. It doesn't cause them any harm, but um, it's just how much of that level you need to keep that animal um, calm. You know, right. You can see, and, and, and every animal is different. You could have a small little Yorkie and, and shaking and just terrorized of, you know, mm-hmm. and you could tell when they're terrorized. Or you can have a St. Bernard who is just kind of, you know, off to the corner, quiet, 
does a little woof woof, but you internally he's more fearful. So he's not showing it as much. Um, both could use the same remedy. Both would need it at least, you know, four times, you know, the minimum of four times a day. Right. Okay. Um, such good information. So where do you start? Like if I have a, if, you know, someone who is just trying to figure out what direction do I go? You know, I think he has this, but he also has that. And I also understand you can mix up to, what is it? Seven. You can mix up to seven. Yes. Okay. You can. But again, keep in mind that when you're doing it for animals, they can't articulate. So it's difficult to, you know, find out which one of those worked. The good thing is if you're doing seven, you're bound to hit one of them that's going to probably work. However, which one worked? You're not going right. to know. Right. And that's, that's what's, you know, and then you're going to keep giving them all that seven if they don't know. If they don't need it, nothing happens. So it doesn't have like an adverse event. So if you're, um, you know, trying to change a behavior of a dog lashing out and you give them cherry plum and that's not what they needed, are they going to lash out? No, that's not the case. That's, it doesn't work on that negative. It just passes through the system. Um, but when, it, when you have the, the positive, you know, and the two work together, it neutralizes it, you know, to kind of wash out of the system and just balances it out within the body. Um, so, you know, up to seven, you can do that. And you would, in the ideal way to do it is to make a mixing bottle because mm-hmm. you're not going to open up seven bottles four times a day. That's kind of, you know, right redundant. So you're going to get an empty mixing bottle and you just put some, you know, fill it three quarters with spring water. And for each flower, you're going to put two drops into that bottle. Now you've made your personal, I call your crisis formula for, that's, that is personalized to your animal. Okay. Of what they need. And then from there, you're giving them four drops four times a day. And so if you had a, an animal that maybe is, let's just take the example of the new pet. So you could technically do give rescue remedy and maybe even add walnut or mm-hmm. aspen or maybe both, mm-hmm. just kind of depending on what you're noticing within the pack or the, the you know, the dog that would already exists and the new dog. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes. And you, you would give add- it to both the, the existing and the new, I'm assuming. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that when it comes to, you know, m- multiple of animals, if you would put the remedies in the water, everybody's drinking from it, but the ones you're going to see the re- results from are the ones who needed it. The ones who mm-hmm. don't need it, you're not going to, you're not going to see any change with them. Um, so yes. And rescue can be added to that, that blend. Um, it is counts as one flower, although it's a combination, it oh, still only counts. It only counts as one flower when you're adding it to a blend. So it'll go a lot further if you're going to use that. So if you're going to take, but you would do four drops and then two drops of the single. So when you're thinking about drops, if it's a one flower, it's two. If it's a combination, it's four. That's how hmm. just double oh, up on it. Good, good info. Okay. Very good. So you could add the four drops of the rescue, two drops of the mimulus or the aspen, and then that would be that, that animal's personal blend. Okay. And, and Do you also notice that um, I've also seen them administered in a spray bottle, maybe like just kind of spraying the animal? Um, Do you have a preference of delivery? or maybe a combination? It, you know what? It's what works for the animal. I found with my animals, you know, ingesting it works best. 
but okay. you can put it in a spray bottle and spray their bedding. You can spray them, you know, around the ears. You can rub them around, especially with cats. Um, they're a little more finicky. So you could just, you know, put it on the tips of your finger and then rub it on the, you know, inside of the ear where the, um, you know, the veins are prominent so it can absorb into their system that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it really, it depends on the animal. Right. Really depends on how receptive they are and, you know, whether it's best to ingest or not. If you're going to have an animal that's going to be very difficult to not take it internally, then you, you look at the alternative where you could, you know, add it to their, you know, bath, you know, or some do um, essential oils, add it to the essential oils and, and put that. So if you're doing, using lavender for relaxation, those are some of the other tips too. Um, but whatever way that the animal is convenient without stressing the animal, because we okay. don't want to cause, we don't, we don't want to cause more stress by giving them stress relief. That doesn't make any sense. So exactly. What about their paws since they're very porous? You can, because what's, you know, that too, cause they'll lick it. If mm-hmm. they don't like it, especially with cats, I always would put it on the paw and then they would just lick it directly from the, uh, cause they, you know, they don't want sure. it on their paw. <laughs> so yeah. They, they're cleaner. Um, yeah, if, I mean, if that works too, you can put it on their paw. You can even rub some on the bridge of their nose as long as it gets into their system. I've done it, you know, many times, you know, just kind of massaged my dog's face if they, if they were just not in the mood to take it and they're not in the mood to take because they know they sense it. Like, I don't want this stuff. So they, yeah, they may turn around and say they don't want it. So do you force it or do you just kind of apply it in a different way? Okay. Um, so again, just kind of going back and I know we kind of got off track here, but if you've got a pet parent who is, you know, going, gosh, I don't even know where to start. My dog is a mess or my dog is really, you know, acting out or whatever, how, what would be a good resource for them, um, as they're trying to determine which bot flower or combination of bot flowers to start with? I mean, we do have a pet chart that's readily available that kind of talks about, you know, the, the remedies and then, you know, which ones would be um, ideal for the pet. Yes. And we use that quite okay. often. So they can the go to that. What okay. I've always said is that um, if you're not sure right away for the first week, give them rescue remedy and let's see how that helps. Okay. And then jot down. I need to know, you know, I would, you need to, you know, they need to observe the behaviors when the behavior is worse, what happened and what caused that behavior and kind of really kind of track out. Also, you know, if they can understand, you know, are they deprived of anything? You know, if you are, if you have a dog who is say a, a golden retriever and you, they're gone all day, you're gone all day and they're home all by themselves. And then you come home and they're jumping all over you and they're taking your hat and your shoes. And you want me to stop that? That's not realistic. That's not going to happen. You have, you're putting the dog in an awkward position. Can't, he can't act his own behaviors, which means he can't go out and retrieve. He's not running. He's stimulated. He wants to go out. He wants to play. He wants attention because you've been gone all day. And I know you're tired, but you made a commitment to this animal. 
So it has to, it has to make sense. And some people want me to change things. I say, okay, I can change it. We can work together, but are you willing to change? Are you Mm -hmm. willing to train, retrain the dog or, you know, and, and let's work together. Another misconception about a lot of uh, animals are cats. Everyone feels that cats are very antisocial. They're very solitary animals. And that is so far from the truth. Cats are very social. They have such a, a intense, um, you know, family structure. And then we assume that because they're, they like to be al- alone, that they're more finicky and that we give them, say, water violet for being proud and aloof. That's going to make them be more social. That's not what's going to make them more social is if they have more cats with them. Because they're social. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just education. I think, you know, get educated. But for the person who wants to try these out right and, and want to help the animals, start off with rescue. Give it to them. Keep consistent four times a day. See what's changed. See if the behavior. If not, then okay, then we'll go to the next level. Key ones, most popular, are going to be mimulus. That's for known fear, shy, being timid. Cherry plum, when they're losing control lashing out. Cherry plum is also in rescue remedy. Um, an extreme fear of, of, to a point where they're frozen would be rock rose, which is also in rescue remedy. When animals get discouraged or they're in depressed state, you know, you can see them, especially if they've given up and they've gotten, they've gotten hopeless, Mm -hmm. um, because of, you know, especially if they've been in, um, shelters, uh, gorse, gentian, uh, olive for energy for those animals who are maybe working animals and they you can see the exhaustion. Uh, walnut definitely for change and transition. Larch for confidence when you're training. And of course, Star Bethlehem, which is in rescue remedy for any traumas. Those are your easiest nice. remedies to choose. And... Um, you mentioned about this starting with rescue remedy. The other thing that came to mind there is sometimes within a multiple animal household, there might be a scuffle or a fight that breaks out. Um, if that's the case, because everyone's on edge, including the people in the house, um, would you dose with rescue remedy? Would that be your go-to? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a stressful moment. Everybody even the humans, right? Everybody needs to deal with it. And you know what? Dogs do have fights. Children have fights, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just a matter of the level. Is it an acceptable fight or is it something that's, that's not. And, mm-hmm. and, and just do, you know, set the ground rules. You have to be, let the animals know that you're in charge. So if that's, you know, instead of, you know, when that happens, you know, get a cowbell, get something that's of a loud noise and say, no, sure. stop, stop. And use one word, stop, mm-hmm. and let them know it's not, it's not good behavior. Right. They'll stop. You've got to retrain them. Yep. Very good point. Um, if you could, I know we had talked about um, you were going to bring maybe some um, case studies uh, to the listeners. I think that could be really useful. Uh, yes. Okay. So um, one of the first cases that I worked on when I was, you know, being trained as a practitioner is um, Casey, which is a, a Shetland sheepdog. And she was from a puppy mill. Okay. And um, she had just a lot of anxiety and she 
was not friendly at all. So here's a dog you think, okay, would, would want to be involved in the pack. And she would bark and, um, just, you know, attack other dogs. She's just was, it was more of, of a fearful thing. And she got very protective of her, of the one, her one owner and only trusted that one owner. And it came down to, we had, I worked with her, you know, using the mimulus at times with the rescue in the beginning. And then also chicory because she was very territorial and she would like very territorial. I mean, because she would eat fast because don't forget she was in a mill and they, she was not treated very well. And we able to get her to the point where she was able to at least, you know, work, you know, be with other dogs without wanting to attack them. But we also worked with her and get, we got her, you know, additional training and we kept her, you know, with my dogs, getting that, getting back to that social um, aspect with other animals. And it worked out and it worked out well. So she was able to be less aggressive. I'm not saying we, we cured her hundred percent because and then at the time we also, she developed um, cancer. Mm. So, and that was the other thing, so which we did not know. So when we saw that case, we said, okay, maybe that she just wasn't feeling good too. Because if they're not feeling good, they don't want to be bothered so they could react. But that wasn't that didn't come on till later on. But we were proud of the fact that we were able to get her to at least socialize with other dogs without um, that that attack, that attack mode right away. And Mimulus was your go-to. Mimulus was that because it was fearful. You know, Mm -hmm. she was just terrorized about everything because she had been tormented for so much. And the rescue, we also would give her the rescue remedy as well. Okay. Nice. Then I had, um, uh, we had adopted uh, a mixed breed. She's a chow. I mean, there's there's so much with this, with this, but we, we had her as a puppy and she was in it from a kill shelter because they thought she was uh, the runt of the, the litter and that she might have hip dysplasia. How they would know that when she's a puppy, I don't know, but we took her on. And she's a pretty mild dog, very, very content to just lay down, sit on the couch with the exception of her walks. She loves her walks and you've got to walk her. Um, but she also was very kind of subservient. She's very more of an introvert. She just lets, she will let other dogs you know, attack her and she won't even do anything and she'll just lay there. So she will lay on her back with all Mm. four, you know, as, as that freeze kind of, you know, um, you know, way that she would behave. So again, just fearful. So I worked with her and at the same time, she was also, um, introduced to a new dog, which was a Nova Scotia duck toller, total opposite. This one is a lot of energy needed, a lot of attention, very skittish because she was out and God knows where she was for the last two years, but we adopted her too. And the two of them, you know, I adopted them thinking they would be companions for each other and it ended up for a while. It took a long time to get these two to, you know, uh, come together because the Tola wanted her and would nip it. I mean, was just aggressive to her and where Riley was just like, you know what? you're a little too much for me and back and would back <laughs> off. So one was so subservient. The other one was very dominant. However, <laughs> the dominance was really in the young, in, in Riley, the submissive one. Whereas because if she, she just had to growl and then re, and the, the duck Tola would be 
out of control. Like come, almost like they come up to me and say, could you see that? She growled at me. Can you believe that? <laughs> um, so with Riley, I've been, I gave her Centauri to be a bit more assertive. Now this is not one of those flowers that would be in the easy. It was something that I want to experiment. And that's the key thing about the flowers. They're so much fun and so gentle that you can experiment with them. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking at a specific way to be uh, that the animal you want to have a certain behavior. I mean, we don't choose the remedies by the positive. We only choose by the negative emotion, but with animals, it's kind of hard to identify. So we say, okay, what do I expect? And I want Riley to be a little bit more assertive. She's not being assertive to it. She's not standing up for her ground. And I saw the transition. So it was Mm. amazing to see that she was standing up for her ground and that Rissa was just out of control. Rissa is a constant work in progress. Okay. Because she's just a, a, a lovable, lovable, but, but she don't, she's hyper. She needs to run. She, um, she's, but she's skittish as well. So mm-hmm. we, we, I'm well aware of thunderstorms, loud noises on the T all the, all of the things that would make an animal that are unsure what's going on. She, I always have to be ahead. So if I know thunderstorms coming, I know exactly when, where to put her, well, how to comfort the room, soundproof it, you know, put the TV on, give her the rescue and she's fine because she will soak a whole mattress mm. from a thunderstorm. Oh my that's goodness. A, Poor thing. That's how, that's how bad it is with her. Um, and so Aspen, I've given her, I've given her Mimulus and I've also given her, um, you know, the uh, rock rose, all the, the fears. I'm working on her fears. And, and she's so, come a long way. That's amazing. Um, so, okay. So for example, on these cases, um, I would assume this isn't something that they would stay on forever. So what, or maybe, you know, you do give them every now and then. So if you could maybe talk a little bit about what, how you dose. So I, I dose by, it depends on the, on the day. So most times they'll put, I put it in the, in the palm of my hand and they'll lick it. Okay. Whereas others I'll put it on a treat. Now I know uh, Riley is a little more finicky. She can smell something a mile away and she's a diner. She likes to dine and sniff and she's just much more slow. Don't forget. She wasn't from a puppy mill. She was adopted when she pup. So she has the freedom. So she likes to nibble, walk away, nibble. Whereas Rissa will eat yours, hers, and everybody else's in a matter of five <laughs> seconds. So she yeah. has the bowls that have the grids in them and all that to keep her from oh, to sure, slow yeah. down. So she'll eat whatever I give her, where Riley is a little bit more challenging. So sometimes I've had to rub it, you know, on her pulse points. But I would give them to her faithfully, you know, I put in their water. So if I had to leave for the day, I would make sure that, that when they had the drinking water, that they would receive the remedies. I give it to them in the morning you know, with their food. And I made sure I gave it to the men. I, and I had a dog walker and the dog walker would also give them the treats that all, that would have the remedies absorbed inside as well. So yeah, just keeping it a frequency, you know, and, and then you know, do you keep them on it? I would, it depends on what I'm working on. I, okay. I would keep them on it until I would see the results I wanted to see. Okay. And if I didn't see the results I want to see, then I might have to switch it up. Like something's not right. I'm not seeing something working here. So maybe I'll try another flower to see if I'm, I miscalculated. Maybe it's not the fear. It's something else. But in the most cases, when it comes to say rescue remedy, usually rescue remedies I use all the time for the moment. I know something's going to trigger them. So I'll do it as a preventative. I'll give it to them ahead of time. Um, I can give it to them during if they'll take it. 
and then it, once once the situation is is passed, then they don't need to take it any further. Um, when I'm trying to change a specific behavior, then um, I until I see the results, I will give it to them, and then I will no longer, you know, once the results are satisfactory. And sometimes it may come back again. Mm-hmm. It's just trying to reinstate that you know the positive behavior that. You know, everything's going to be okay. Fear is very hard. I mean, fear is, you know, thunderstorms, going to the vet, going into the car, um, you know, stranger anxiety. These are all fear driven. And sometimes it just takes a lot longer. Right. And I think that's also a good point is, you know, and I know we touched on this earlier, but just the patience involved, because we are so used to that instant gratification. Um, and just and really maybe even journaling, you know, and, and I've I've asked customers to really look for just those subtle little changes. You know, she did this and she's never done that before. You know, um, that's a that's a good sign. You know, it's like little bitty things, um, meaning that they're gaining more confidence or not as fearful and that sort of thing. And reinforcing that positive behavior. Um, journaling is a good point because we emphasize within, you know, just the whole learning structure, whether you're a human or for animals, journaling in general. Because you, sometimes you need to reflect to understand what was really going on. So the journaling will give you that, why is what's happening here? And mm-hmm. when you go back to it, then you can probably see it. But that is so important to be able to, to identify. And then again, and to reinforce the positive behavior. Mm-hmm. So if my animal, if I see that, what I've noticed with the, the thunderstorms, because we go to a lake a lot and there's always fireworks going on. So the mm-hmm. dogs, but I can know when it's going to come. And where before Rissa would actually take off and she would burrow and hide somewhere that I wouldn't know because we let them run loose. It's, you know, freedom because it's in a cove and nobody's around, but then I would, I would be upset because I wouldn't find her. So I can actually, now I've trained her when to hear her, she's now trained to go to the cottage door and I open the door, I let her in and we go to the furthest room where she knows that I got the radio going and her little, you know, bedding's there and then she's okay. So that's, that's a positive. Although is it, is she standing there out in the middle of the, you know, on the porch watching the fireworks? Right. No. And she's never going to do that. However, she doesn't, she's not taking off. She's not Mm -hmm. taking off and making me nervous. I don't know where she is and and not coming back for hours. So she wouldn't come back for like three or four until she knew the whole, it was, the coast was clear. Good thing is she's got the scent to come back. However, that doesn't make me feel better. So I got her. So now she goes, she knows exactly where to go. And it's so exciting. Mm -hmm. I'm like, this is huge. This is huge. That's and I give her the rescue and I, and she comes down and, and, you know, so usually somebody's there and they will just, you know, be with her. So she knows she's not alone and then she's fine. And she's yeah. fine. She's not, again, she's not as bad. It's just a different level. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Well, and again, um, I think it's, uh, you know, something I always also reinforce with, um, customers and clients is that keep it visible so that it's not out of sight, out of mind, you know, so this, this issue that you're trying to address this behavioral issue, um, isn't going to take one dose and be gone, you know, so make it visible, make it obvious for you, uh, you know, and, and make it a habit. 
Absolutely. I mean, you do do no different than, you know, when you think about children too, you know, I mean, children, it has to be a pattern. It has to be a routine and sometimes they go back and they behave, but you, you be, you're consistent with that pattern and that's right. how they, they learn those positive, you know, those positive behaviors. Same with the animal. You're instilling the positive behavior. But again, look at what, how you are treating them. Look how they're being treated. And if there's something missing, you're going to get the bad behaviors. You're not going to treat it unless you correct that, you know, um, you know, what, what is missing there or what's not, you know, again, those freedoms. I mean, they have to, it has to make sense. Um, But yes, I've seen remarkable results with animals. They, it's, um, you know, they don't have a placebo effect. They're well, they receive it very well and you can make changes. You can make positive changes with it. This has been so wonderful. I could talk to you all day about this because it's so fascinating. And I want to thank you for spending the time to help um, bring to light these amazing uh, Bach flower remedies. And um, I know it's going to help so many um, people as well as their animals. And if there is um, maybe a link or something, is there um, a website people can go to to find out a little bit more about the Bach flower? Yes, um, they can go on to BachRemedies.com. They can also do the RescueRemedy.com. There's a RescueRemedyPet.com. We have a lot, all, you know, depending on how much information they want. If they're looking to talk to an animal practitioner, they can go to the BachCenter.com and they can look for a animal practitioner in their area. Okay give the guidance. Well, and we carry a um, variety of them at my store, um, kind of corresponding to the pet chart um, that we receive from you guys. So, um, and we do always try to keep Rescue Remedy in stock because we do sell that quite a bit. So, um, so yes, again, thank you so much for this wonderful information. It has been so enlightening and, um, and I just appreciate it. And it was my pleasure. And thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, we will talk soon, I'm sure, at some point. And um, thank you again, Denise. All right. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you love this episode, share it with someone who may also want to help their pet. You can share it now or post it on social media. Tag me in it so that I can reach back out to you. I'm so proud of you for taking steps to help your amazing furry family member. Talk to you soon.